When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, it's Patriots week. The Bills taking on the New England Patriots Thursday night football, Amazon Prime. And if you're in Buffalo, Channel 7, where you will find this guy as the sports director, WKBW-TV. And that is, of course, the co-host of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio here with you as well. Matt, what's up, man? You're in the Bills media room as we're talking. I'm in uh, the Odyssey studios here, so we kind of got all bases covered with the game and previewing it today. Yeah, for sure. Does it feel like this time around, nobody seems to understand where you can watch this game? I feel like I've had more questions about <laughs> yeah. where this game is on TV this week than we've ever had for games that are on local television. But yes, so if you're listening to this and you live in the Buffalo TV market, the game will be on Channel 7. If you live outside of Buffalo, you have to watch it on either Amazon Prime, on Twitch, or on NFL Plus. That's like the NFL streaming app. I think it's like five bucks a month or something like that. It's also aired locally in Boston, but basically it's only on TV locally and Buffalo. Buffalo in Boston. And then you got to watch it either on Amazon on NFL plus or on Twitch. So those are your options for tr- hopefully that clears up some questions people have. And, and when we say Buffalo, that's if you're normally considered the Buffalo market, basically, if you get channel seven, WKBW TV, you can get yeah. the game. If not, if you're in Rochester, you cannot get it other than on Amazon. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Rochester does not count. Syracuse does not count. Erie PA, even though those are all relatively close to the area. If you turn on the news and your news, your local news is Buffalo flow, then you get the game. If you don't, then you got to go to those other options. So you're going to be out there with the team from WKBW TV. It's a mm-hmm. big, ba- it's a big battle in the division between these two teams. We talked about the bills win over the lions on Thanksgiving. The last time, let's take a look at what's going to happen this week around. And let's start with injuries. You're down there at the facility today. I just got through with uh, the extra point show here on WGR. Um, Sean McDermott came on my radio show as he does every week to tell us the injury update. Now, as we record this, as we sit here on a Tuesday, the official injury report won't be out for another 24 hours or so. We do know that mm-hmm. Von Miller and Deion Dawkins did not practice on Tuesday with their injuries. Quentin Morris with his illness. What do you make of Dion's situation and the fact that 
he still could play practice on Wednesday and play, but maybe it's not trending that way. I would imagine if Dion hasn't practiced up to this point, this is Tuesday, you know, it would almost be like a normal Friday. That just kind of leads me to believe that he's not going to be out there on Thursday when they take on the Patriots. And then the same thing with Von Miller. I don't think if Dion Dawkins is on the fence, I think they would probably just give him a little bit of time because they want to make sure that he gets healthy or it's potentially an injury. That's a couple weeks because we don't exactly know how long the injury is going to be, but we just got off the practice field. We didn't see Dion. We didn't see Von. So those guys, it seems like it's kind of a foregone conclusion that they're not going to play as for every Everybody else, like Sean told you on the radio about an hour ago, everybody else, it feels like is trending in the right direction, which is a good sign for the bills. And that includes all the guys with illness. I mean, Matt, it's been a crazy week for two weeks. And as Sean said, everybody's dealing with in their households, right? I mean, this has been something that's been going around and you know, you, you have to balance guys coming in to get their work in versus not getting anybody else sick. They had eight guys out on Sunday when we were out there for practice, they got some of them back. A couple more were out total of five out on Monday. Looks like only one Quentin Morris out on Tuesday. That's really, really good news. The other good news is Tremaine Edmonds, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Mitch Morris, Matt, four key players who missed last week's game, all full participants in practice this week. That is a huge benefit if all of them are able to go. And that looks like it could happen. Also, Tredavious White. And I mean, I don't think that we're going to see a full load of Tredavious White, but he only played two possessions against the Lions. I would imagine, I mean, McDermott said right after the game that now the plan is to have him out on the field more. What that means, I don't know, because technically it could just be a third possession and it would be like, yeah, that's more. But I just don't see that as a case. I think that he looked pretty good in the two series that he was out there. And I would venture to guess that he probably plays, I don't know, maybe around half the game. And if that's, I mean, if you get Trey White for half of the game, that's a significant upgrade from the other guys that you had on the field against the lions. So you get those four guys you mentioned and you get more Trey white. So that really does make things look a little bit different. Obviously losing Von Miller, a massive, massive blow. You should be able to beat these teams, these next couple games with or without him. So it's going to be, it's a big test for the bills. And it's one, I think that they're going to be ready for. And just so we kind of wrap a bow on these injuries, Von Miller, we don't have any more update or timeline on him. Sean McDermott didn't offer that to me. I don't think he, you can tell us if he said anything to you guys on the zoom call when he was on after you, I was on the radio, but um, we really don't know any clarity on that other than he's out this week. All we know is what's been reported by some of the national reporters, Ian Rappaport included Tom Pelissero included Adam Schefter included, which is basically, I'm sorry, Jeremy Fowler, not maybe not Tom. Um, Basically they're going to wait seven to 10 days and then reevaluate. Did you guys get anything new on Von from Sean? No. So basically we're just kind of basing it off of, he's not going to play this week, even though he didn't rule him out on the radio show with you, but he's not going to play this week. We know that. And then they're just going to wait and see what happens and just kind of take it a week at a time. And I know it sounds so cliche. I know it sounds so repetitive, but I think this is a scenario where you just kind of have to see how you do after seven days, after 10 days, whatever it is. And then what the options are moving forward. Is it something that you can play through? Is it something that you absolutely can't play through? And then the season would be done. So I think they're still trying to figure that out. And I'm sure with Von Miller, He's also probably trying to talk to some people. He's been in the league a while. Hey, is this feasible? Hey, can we do this? How well can I play if I have to play with a brace? All of those questions, I think, are things they're going to have to figure out. But it's important to remember, they've had such a strange stretch of their schedule these last couple weeks with the game getting moved from Buffalo to Cleveland, then a Thursday game against the Lions, and then another Thursday game against the Patriots. They get a little bit of a mini bye week after this because they get their Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, and then they have a normal week of preparations for a home game against the Jets next week. So there's a little extra time for those guys to try and heal up, 
get ready to go. It, it, that probably doesn't include Vaughn, but guys who we don't know about, Deion Dawkins, any other players who might miss this week. It's like, okay, you're going to have nine or 10 days after this to try and heal up and be ready for the next game. Sean did not rule Vaughn out while he was on the radio with me. He did actually rule him out earlier in the week, though. He did say Vaughn would not play in this game. That was the first time we spoke to him, maybe last uh, Sunday or Monday. Sunday. 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 He did say he wasn't going to play, just so everybody is aware. Von Miller would not be playing in this game. Uh, he'll be on the injury report and listed as out when it ultimately comes out on Wednesday. One more injury to get to before we wrap up this segment. Josh Allen, a full participant for the first mm-hmm. time since injuring his elbow on November 6th. He is listed on the injury report. So what that means, folks, is He's getting treatment on his right elbow, but he is still now taking 100% of his normal workload and normal reps at practice. Just like when you see Greg Rousseau listed ankle, but full means he's still getting treatment, but he's not sitting out any reps. He's doing everything he's expected to do. That's great news for the bills, considering that we have not seen a full participating Josh Allen at practice since November 6th. And that means he's doing everything he normally would. Yeah. And listen, I think that he's still playing through some stuff and I think he's going to be playing through some stuff for a while. And when he was specifically asked about that after the lions game, he danced around the question as well as he could, but it also made it pretty clear. Like, yeah, this has been something that I've been having to overcome. And I think that has led to some of the mistakes, but I also think some bad decision-making has led to some of the mistakes that we've seen from Allen and from the bills offense these last couple of weeks. So I think it's a good sign that they're trending in the right direction that his, I guess is injury designation is improving, but I still think think that this is going to be something that he deals with for at least a couple more weeks. All right. We'll uh, take a look at a little bit more of this matchup when we come back here on it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. Matt's down at One Bills Drive. The Bills have a practice on a uh, Tuesday as we record this. We have the team flying out on Wednesday to get to New England. The game on Thursday night in Foxborough. You can listen to it on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. And, of course, that's flagship WGR Sports Radio 550. And watch it on Amazon Prime or on WKBW-TV Channel 7 in Buffalo. We normally wait till the final segment to get to questions. But this question I want to get to relates to exactly what we're talking about. And we can talk about it uh, during the segment. It's from Rich, who's Donnie Chef 69 on Twitter, says, Can you talk about how the Bills should scheme if Dawkins can't go? How about more use of Bobby Hart to try and help on the left side? I do think this is a really interesting question, and one I've thought about, I will say, Matt, nobody liked what we saw from the offensive line when Deion Dawkins went last week, right? Yeah, it was bad. But let's remember, they had four days to prepare. They really didn't have much practice at all, considering the illness that was going on, and they lost Deion during the middle of the game. They couldn't it wasn't like they were game planning without Deion Dawkins. So I'm not here to tell you everything's roses without Deion Dawkins. No, not at all. They're going to have to make some adjustments. But the advantage here is 
you get seven days to game plan and know what you want to do in this situation, which I think they're better equipped to do that. I wouldn't discount maybe Spencer Brown moving over to the left. Like we saw last year or David Questenberry, like we saw in the game. And like, like the call, like the uh, tweeter said, rich, maybe you get uh, Bobby Hart a little bit more as an extra offensive lineman. Maybe you get Reggie Gilliam to chip in a little bit more Dawson Knox on that side. I think there are things you can do against obviously a great pass rusher, Matthew Judon and a great schemer in bill Belichick. And also keep in mind against the lions, it wasn't just Deion Dawkins out. It was Mitch right. Morse out. And yes. then it was Ryan Bates filling in for him. So then you had another starter who was playing out of position. So it was kind of a domino effect of a lot yep. of different things that went wrong. And Spencer Brown also really struggled in that game. So I'm thinking that if Mitch Morris is ready to go this week, obviously that kind of solidifies the middle part of the line. You would like to see Saffold's, you know, maybe take a little bit of a step up and play. You'd I'd imagine that Bates would just stay there. And then Spencer Brown would stay at right side and Questenberry would play left, but but there is a chance those two could flip because we know we've seen Questenberry, I guess, hold his own on the right side of the line at times this year, probably not dominate or anything like that. I mean, it's a big thing that they're going to have to deal with this week. I mean, Judon leads the league in sacks. Like can, you're not going to stop him. You just kind of hope to contain him. And it's funny though, because you think back to those other two games that they played against the Patriots last year, the one in new England and the one in the playoffs, Judon was pretty quiet in those games. It never felt like he took the game over or he really, really wreaked havoc. And it was hard to know his impact in the first game, just because it was so windy and there were so many rushes and it was just a really, really strange game flow to that. So yeah, I, I don't expect that to happen this week. I think Judon is going to get his, and I think that's going to be the biggest potential problem for the bills offense as they try and kind of snap out of this little mini funk that they They've been in the last couple of weeks. I thought it was super interesting when McDermott talked to us on Sunday, he mentioned watching the Patriots Vikings game on Thursday night. And you'd imagine that's the case. I know I was home in time to do that on the team charter. So people could do that. He sometimes talks about, you know, catching some of the games, but this was the team that he's playing next, right? The new England Patriots. Mm -hmm. And I thought the really key kind of thing he said that I picked up on was he watched how they defended Justin Jefferson, Matt. We know that Stefan Diggs has done a really good job against JC Jackson, who's no longer there and the new mm-hmm. England Patriots the last couple of years. And Josh Allen has been really looking his way a lot. He's really among the league leaders in targets this year. He's having a great season. I think that's the key for the bills too, is how are they going to allow Stefan Diggs to flourish and get him the ball? Because right now they're not getting much outside of their other from their other receivers. Gabe Davis has been inconsistent. You'd love to see that Isaiah McKenzie did play really well against the new England Patriots last year. They did obviously sign John Brown. We touched on that in the last podcast. We could talk about it here. But to say how they defended Stefan Diggs gives me a clue into they want to know how do the Patriots plan to take away the Bills' best player, which is what the Patriots always try to do. Perfect. Let this be a week where the other guys have to step up. Let this be a week where Dawson Knox needs to be more involved in the offense. Isaiah McKenzie, he did it against uh, the Lions on Thanksgiving. He did it last year in that game the day after Christmas on in New England. I don't expect to see that kind of production again from Isaiah McKenzie, but he can be utilized more than we've seen at other times this year. Maybe it's a Gabe Davis game because Gabe Davis, there has been some inconsistencies with him this year. So I think that if they are going to try and focus solely on trying to shut down Stefan Diggs, it's an opportunity for those other guys who they need to utilize more because right now the offense is Josh Allen throwing to Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen running to try and pick up first downs when that's covered. And, you know, we did see a step forward in the run game these last couple of weeks, but I think that's more of who they were going against than the run game, taking a big step forward. But I don't think that they can completely just kind of throw that into the garbage or anything like that. So if they're going to try and contain Stefan Diggs, then so be it because there's other teams who are going to try and do the same thing down the road. So this is an opportunity for other people to kind of step up. 
And one thing that has stepped up lately is the run game. They've done a nice job running the ball. I know that we talk about the offensive funk, and that's because we're used to seeing this thing, this team slinging around the place. And and I get it. We all want to see that. And that's when they're at their best. But I think we could take a little solace in the fact the run game has been better lately, including obviously I think Devin Singletary had a very efficient year overall. It's not like he's carrying the ball 30 times a game, but I think he's done a good job. That's something that the bills will want to do a little bit in this game. It is supposed to be windy in this game. Not Ugh. like last year on Ugh. Monday night football. God. We are talking about uh. some wind here, which may force these teams to have to go back to the ground a little bit. And I think the bills at least have gotten a little bit of semblance of run game going here outside of Josh Allen, which we didn't see as much earlier in the season. Yeah, I don't love it, though, if it turns into one of those games where it's all right. about the run game, just because Ramondre Stevenson is having a really yes. strong year. I know Damian Harris doesn't look like he's going to play in this game. I don't think the team has officially ruled him out, but there have been some reports that he's week to week at this point. So that's a blow for the Patriots. But Ramondre Stevenson has kind of become their feature back there. And he's, he's the a good James player. White now of them. That's what he is. Yeah, that's everything he, James White used to do. So he's a good player. So yeah. it's if you're, the, if you're the Bills and you're trying to think like, OK, what are we going to do to try and contain the Patriots? Ramondre Andre Stevenson is probably the first guy that you get to their wide receivers are fine. Hunter Henry is a good player, but I don't think he's an elite tight end or anything like that. So if you're the bills, you're like, okay, we're going to try and contain Ramondre Stevenson. But if you got to get into a one of those games where you just run it all over the place, how about some Naheem Hines mixed in? How about some James cook mixed in? How about some swing plays? How about some stuff? That's just a little bit more creative, but I do think Singletary has taken a step forward. It's hard not to like what he's done. But it's also hard not to ignore who they have gone against. So it's a balance there. And let's flip it around and talk about the other side of the ball. Looking at some of these Patriots numbers on their own offensive side, they rank near the bottom of the league, actually, in a lot of offensive statistics, which I think is a bit surprising considering even the run game has not been where they want it to be. Rushing yards a game, they're 23rd in the league. Rushing yards a play, 26. This is the team, I think, that really wanted to pound the ball. It hasn't really come to fruition as of late. We talk about Ramon J. Stevenson. What they do is they check it down. They throw to their backs out of the backfield. They throw to their tight ends. They have a good, I'd say, group of wide receivers. They don't really have those playmakers. Tyquan Thornton's the guy they would hope would do that. The rookie, he has some speed. But it's really Mac Jones who stepped up the last couple of weeks. It's kind of had to bail them out in the passing game a little bit. So this is an interesting Patriots offense who... You don't want them to kind of have the success they want to have on the ground. And right now, Mac Jones is actually playing from pretty good football the last couple of weeks. The Bills are going to have to kind of, you know, be on their P's and Q's, if you will, about the second year quarterback who's done a nice job. Yeah. And it's weird because you look at kind of the two different options of what the Patriots are. And last time we saw the Patriots, it was against the Vikings and they held their own and they had a nice day offensively. They put up a lot of points, but the week before that was the week that they scored only three points against the jets. And they relied on a punt return at the end of the game to ultimately win that game. So I don't think it's fair to dismiss the Patriots offense or anything like that, but I think they're probably somewhere in the middle. I think they're a pretty I don't even want to say average. I think they're a below average NFL offense. And I think if the you're the bills, you should, and they don't have any, like, like we said, they don't have a Stefan Diggs. They don't have a Justin Jefferson. They don't have an elite wide receiver who you really need to be concerned about. Now for the bills, the secondary has been a little bit of a concern these last couple of weeks. Dan Jackson has struggled now that they don't have Christian Benford. He was playing well. We don't know exactly how much Trey is going to play. So that is an area where there are some questions for the bills, but you would think that they can kind of hold their own against Kobe Myers, Nelson Aglor, Kendrick Port, like those kind of guys. So I think for the bills, the offense is not super flashy. Just try and get home to the get after Mac Jones, because if we can get to the quarterback. He'll make some mistakes and that's how you're going to ultimately win the game. 
All right, let's answer some questions that have come in here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. You can tweet us always at Sal Sports and at Matt underscore Bove. All right, Matt, got a good question that came in here from Eric Widener at World underscore Wide. Worldwide, I like that. All right, I like that, Eric. (laughs) Now, I'm going to change the question a little bit only because I want to, you know, kind of narrow it down. He said, if you weren't sports reporters, what career path would you have flourished in? I want to completely take away sports from that. If you weren't working in sports in any capacity, what career would you have flourished? And I'll just go first because it's easy for me because I was a former high school teacher. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I was a social studies teacher. I would have stayed in teaching. I loved teaching. I love this more, which is why I went back into it. But I I would still be teaching, especially I was doing it in Florida with my summers off and playing golf twice a week. But that's beside the point, Matthew. Uh, What would you be doing? (laughs) Uh, realistically with the skill set that I have, I think I would probably just be a news reporter and not a sports reporter because I was a news reporter before I was in sports. So that transition is pretty seamless, but you weren't media in any way either. I would love to be, I've always been fascinated, fascinated by golf course architects. Wow. People who set up and lay out golf courses and design golf courses. I think that would be the coolest job ever. So for me, I don't know if I would be good at it, but I've always just been enamored with all of that. Like, why is this hole go here? What are you thinking about when you're building this course? How do you use the property that you have to get the most out of the golf course? So my dad always said that that was his dream job to be like a golf course architect. And I kind of took that from him. I've always been like, man, that would be so, so cool. So if I ever hit it big one day and I can just like get rid of, you know, if I have a bunch of money, maybe I'll just buy a bunch of land and I'll just make a golf course or something. I love it. You can do that. Golf course design. I know people have gone to college for that actually. Very, very uh, interesting. All right. Um, Let's get to really quick. Elena almost just stabbed me with her tripod in the media room. Yep. She's extending the legs to her tripod and almost just stabbed Joe B and I. So I don't know what we did to upset her, but I'm glad that we can still have this conversation because I almost lost an eye. I have a weekly food question as you go and basically take care of business over there and make sure that those uh, people <laughs> stay in line. Joe, Joe Biscelli and Elena Getzenberg. Um, this one is coming from, this is Matt Gould. He is the director of broadcast. Oh yeah. Sabres, right. I think, is yep. that, I think is how you say draft for game day broadcast. Maybe anyway, Matt, I hope I didn't botch your title. I'm sorry. Do olives ruin everything when put in a salad of any sort? Great question. Great question. You want to answer first? You want me to answer first? Okay. So first I have the, are we talking black olives or green olives? Does it matter here? Okay. I think it's any, I think it's I'm not a big green olives fan. I do like black olives. My wife loves black olives on everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I do not think it ruins a salad. I'm sorry, but olives are fine in a, in a salad, a black olives because I like them, but no, they don't ruin everything. Come on. You ever, you ever seen the show, how I met your mother? I know it. I've never really watched it. Okay. So there's a theory in that show about the olive theory. And it's that every partner has a different thought about olives. Like if you're the husband, you know, one partner likes olives, one mm. partner hates olives. And that's what makes the perfect couple. Essentially. Okay. okay. I am an olive. I am an olive person. I like olives. My Your wife, wife can't stand them. Wow. She, she hates olives. So it's funny because it actually works in our situation, but it doesn't sound like it works in yours. So no, Matt, I don't think olives ruin salads. I actually get them, especially if it's like a Greek salad. Those are Perfect. By the way, there was a response here from Mike Lux, who works at uh, WGRZ in Buffalo, who responded to that question to us from Matt, who said a salad without an olive is just lettuce. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I can I still enjoy so a salad I, without olives. 100%. Now you got to give me croutons, too. What makes a perfect salad? I got to, like, what's the best part of it? Croutons for me. What's your favorite kind of salad? 
<clears throat> well, I don't really eat a lot of salads. I should eat more. Probably some sort of like chicken Caesar. Okay. That's a really good answer. I think that's a very respectable answer. I think you could also throw like a Greek souvlaki salad in the mix. Gotta have who doesn't, in en- or poultry who or doesn't enjoy right? that? Yeah. A hundred percent. So th- those are, uh, people are looking at us in here like what that, this is a football podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh no, it's not because us? next one is from Drew who says, do you prefer New England clam chowder or Manhattan clam chowder? Oh, New England in a landslide. I don't think Manhattan clam chowder is good at all. I'm but New totally England clam with you on this. Yeah, totally no. This. I mean, New England clam chowder is just a bunch of heavy cream and some clams in it. That's why it's so good. And can I tell you that, like, in the actual... Now, you have a different press box at Foxborough than we do. Oh, just really? Like, yes. I didn't know that. Like I didn't know that. Stadium. So the that. radio broadcast booth is in a different location than the press box, where you'll be than where we'll be for the radio broadcast. And I'll talk about that in a second, actually. I'll get to that. But where we are, they put out sandwiches and New England clam chowder, and it's amazing, and I love it for that. It's really good. Do you guys get that up there? You have to in the press box, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, Honestly, the last couple times that I've been in New England, they've kind of been pretty rushed days. Actually, he's sitting like three seats over from me. But last year, Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News and I, we flew in the day of the game because it was the Uh day after Christmas, and we didn't want to miss Christmas. So what did we get to the stadium, Jay? Like 12, 15? We got to the stadium like 45 minutes before the game. So it was just like, literally, it was literally like run into the press box, Love it. get get situated, do the game and then come home. So I don't even think that last year I remember what they put out. So this year, because it's a primetime game and we'll have to get there super early, especially with it on channel seven, I'll, I'll have a more, you know, press box, new England experience. All right. Well, if you have any questions you want to answer, go ahead. But I do have a couple like that are not from listeners that I want to get to with you. If that's okay, go ahead and rip off a couple of those. And I'll actually just go look because I have, okay. I don't Well, have here's my right question now. for you because I want to talk about the setup at Foxborough. Um, how is the press box in new England compared to others? And really, I want to make this a broader question. Like what are the better press boxes from your standpoint to be in on the road? And the reason I ask is I always say this, Matt, the new England Gillette stadium radio booth is the best in the league. And I think the bills are right there. It's literally like one, two. And the reason is it's super low. It's on the visitor sideline behind the bills bench, which is great. And it's super easy access. I literally walk out the door and down the steps and I'm on the field. It's awesome. And at halftime, I can walk right up the steps and get in. There's no elevator. There's no a maze to get to stairs or anything like that. It's a great Great radio booth view. I love it. And I always tell people, but I know you're in a different location there. Yeah. So what is it like for you in the press box? And what are some of the better press box views in the league? Okay. So I really like the Gillette press box view. I think it's, uh, it's solid. I don't, you know, think it's like, oh, it's the best or oh, it's the worst, but it's really solid. I'm very partial to Orchard Park. I love the view at Highmark, but I think it's also just because of the familiarity. Where, is, seen it? Where so- is it? Is it in, co- in the corner though? At Highmark? At, at Gillette. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's like not in the, it's kind of in the middle. Um, okay. it's, it's not really in the corner, but I like the corner view at Highmark. I think that's really, I, I, okay. maybe I'm just used to it. Um, ooh, let's see press boxes that aren't good. The Jacksonville press box was not good. It wasn't, it had, didn't really have anything to do with the view. It just wasn't a nice press box. The Tennessee Titans press box is probably very polarizing because it's super low. It's basically above the lower bowl. So yeah. it's a very different view. I don't like it because I have a hard time seeing like the play develop or anything. You don't get that nice overhead view, but it's a balance.
balance because you also don't want to be super high. Like the Kansas city press box, you're at the absolute top. You're basically touching the clouds in Kansas city, the Ford field press box. I mean, we've been there twice in the last week and a half. So that's kind of top of mind. I love in that press box and in new Orleans. And there's a couple other that it's open air. Like there's no glass that separates the press box from just all of the rest of the seats. And I like that now during a game, I'm just taking notes. I'm tweeting. I'm writing stuff down. So I don't need to have like, you know, super laser focus. I can hear the ambient noise, but some people that bothers, but I love it when you can actually hear the crowd noise, because if you're sitting at a game and you're watching in high Mark, like the bill score touchdown and you hear like a little, Oh yeah. It's like a very like little ambient noise. You can barely hear anything. So it really does make the game day experience very different. That's why I love being down on the sidelines in the field. We've talked about this and I always oh, actually yeah. keep one ear with Murph and Eric Wood on so I can hear and I keep one ear completely open without any uh, earbuds in or anything so I can hear the crowd and I can hear what's going on in the field so I can do my job a little bit better. The last question I had for you, I just want to talk about the difference between the two of us and how we grew up and what this team, the Patriots means, because we all know they dominated mm-hmm. the Bills for 20 years. I grew up a child in the seventies and eighties and the Miami dolphins kicking the tail of the Buffalo bills. It was all about the dolphins. And for that matter, it was all about the Boston Bruins. For me, dolphins and Bruins are the bills and Sabres. Like that's it. That's that's your hated teams because of what they did to them. It doesn't maybe whatever. Okay. I get it now, but no, it's Bruins. It's dolphins for you. Is it Patriots senators? Is that's what it is because of how you grew up and what you went through senators definitely back in the day. Uh, Patriots, I think forever and always, basically, if you're somebody who's in your late twenties, early thirties, and you live in Western New York and you grew up a bills fan, I mean, you basically spent your entire life watching the bills lose to the Patriots. I think that the first time I saw the bills beat the pit, well, I saw that I was in the stadium in 2011 when they beat them and the Ryan Fitzpatrick game. But I think that was the only time I had seen the bills beat the Patriots until 2020 think about how ridiculous that is. Like, I mean, basically the Patriots just dominated the bills every single time that these two teams played. So yeah, I think the Patriots are kind of the clear cut, like most hated team for people who are in my age range. I will say though, I think the dolphins are creeping up. I think that's with the just social media and how, you know, polarizing they are as a team and what happened earlier in the year. And, because, the and because of people I'm, I'm imagining your dad is like me, it's dolphins, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely. But it's weird because yeah, see, after- I'm old enough to be Matt's dad. Just so we're all clear. On that. <laughs> Your dad's after- got to be like me where you grew up and that was the team you just learned to hate for the same reasons you're talking about you growing up. Yes, absolutely. But I do think that after two decades of just pure dominance from the Patriots, that that started to creep in with the generation that's, you know, 10, 15 years older than I am, just because it was so long and it was so many just lopsided wins. We actually have a Patriots fan at Channel 7 who's one of our producers, and he talks about it all the time. He was like, when I was growing up, the Bills were just kind of that team. They weren't weren't a rival for the Patriots. Like, from the Bills standpoint, it was this hated, hated rival. We can't stand the Patriots. We can't stand Tom Brady for the Patriots. It was kind of like the annoying younger sibling where you're like, just get out of here. Like you're not relevant. Like you're not a threat to make the playoffs or anything like that. And then as far as the hockey is concerned, that was a good one. The senators, the hurricanes for those couple of years with the hurricanes. Uh-huh. But I still think the Bruins will probably always okay. be that team that I think most Sabres, even though there wasn't that much overlap, there was a couple playoff series. I still think most Sabres fans, my age would probably hate the Bruins more than any other. Well, besides the Leafs, Bruins and Leafs, basically. All right. That's good because um, 
basically the, the Sabres and Maple Leafs were in the same division. And then they weren't when I was growing up, it was Sabres and Bruins. They matched up and they fought each other every year and all that kind of stuff. And then they became the Maple Leafs again. By the time that happened again, it was still for me, Bruins, it will always be. So I, I like that, that, you know, for you, it still is as well. All right. Um, anything else you got, you got any questions you want to get to, or you want to wrap up here? No, I think we should though. End with a prediction. You want to start? Or you want me okay. to start? You go ahead. All right. So the line has moved a little bit with the beginning of the week. I believe the bills were favored by about three and a half. I think the bills were like minus three and a half. Now at most betting websites, it's around five and a half. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a pretty accurate line. I do think that the bills are the better team. And I think the bills are going to win this game, but I think it's going to be too close for comfort for a lot of bills fans. I think you're going to be sitting at home. You're going to be watching and you're going to be really, really stressed out as we've seen the last couple of weeks with this team against the Browns and against the lions. I think the Patriots are better, much better defensively than the lions are, but I think the lions are better offensively than the Patriots are. So I'm going to say, give me the bills 27 Patriots 24 will be my prediction. So the line is about four and a half. Like you said, is at four and a half and the over under is 43 and a half. So the, the basically implied score is 24, 20 bills somewhere yeah. around there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, look, I don't think the bills are going to score on seven straight possessions and touchdowns like they did in the playoff. Yeah. Game. Yeah. But one area I want everybody to look out for the Patriots have struggled mightily against mobile quarterbacks, including Josh Allen, Justin Fields. Remember that game, right? Mm -hmm. Patriots oh, under bill Belichick. They just don't defend mobile quarterbacks. Well, I think they concentrate so much on taking away your best outside weapon or running back that mobile quarterbacks seem to have success. And I think Josh Allen will have success in this game. They'll be able to move the ball and do some things against the Patriots defense. That is a very good I don't know if we're going to see, you know, some sort of explosion, but I do see the bills getting into the mid twenties and I'll say they'll get to, you know, it's the 24 sounds good where I do think that the, the Patriots will struggle a little bit more on offense because the bills defense is getting healthier. I'm going to say 24, 16. That's my final score here. 24, 16 bills. I like them. And then we can all sit back and watch Sunday and maybe see the dolphins lose at the Niners and the chiefs lose at the Bengals and the bills. Then Matt take over the number one AFC seed again. Yeah. And for the, we were talking about this practice yesterday, the dolphins next four games is an absolute gauntlet. Their next three games are on the road against the 49ers on the road against the chargers, then on the road against the bills. And we don't know if that game is going to be flexed or into a prime right. time game, but that is some, that's a serious test. I think the dolphins are legit, but if they, you know, there, there's a chance they slip up a little bit in these next couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be hopefully a fun weekend of just putting the feet up and watching football. When do you fly out? I'm actually driving. So drive? we're, so we're driving Wednesday morning. We're going to get on the road and then we're going to head into Boston. We've got some stuff that we've got to do. And then on Thursday, it's, you know, it's going to just be crazy, but that's okay. Honestly, it's kind of fun. And we've got, there's just so much gear and there's so many people going that it's just, it's honestly more convenient to drive. Well, listen, I mean, this, every game is on WGR. Every game is on the Buffalo Bills radio network. People know where to find me. We're going to have all of our stuff going on. Show up in the Bulldog. It's a normal Thursday. Howard and Jeremy. I'll do the extra point show live Thursday from there while Joe's here. Uh, we'll have <coughs> our, our one bills live, of course, and then show up in the Bulldog in the round table. But you, this is a, a chance for channel seven to be highlighted yeah. and carry the game. So tell everybody what's going to be happening on channel seven throughout the day and into oh. the night. 
what a gentleman you are. So basically yeah. coverage starts at 7.30 for our pregame show. It's going to be from 7.30 to 8 o'clock, and then it's a simulcast. So then Amazon's coverage basically plays on Channel 7 right at 8 o'clock. But at 7.30, we're going to have you know live report from the stadium. It'll be myself and Joe B. from The Athletic. We're going to be live out there. My, co- uh, my colleague, Dom Tibbetts, is also going to be live there. My other colleague, Michael Schwartz, he's a news reporter. He's going to be live at a Bill's Backers Bar in downtown Boston. I believe it's called The Harp. It's right next to TD Garden. We've got a feature yep. story on Brother Bill, who you've probably seen his videos on social media. He came into the station, so we're excited about that. We've got a feature on Leslie Frazier that my colleague Brianna Aldridge is doing. So we've got a lot of stuff Great. planned. So hopefully it goes off smooth. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. The Harp is a really cool place. I've seen it. Haven't really spent much time there. Also a Bill's Backers bar inside Fenway Park. At the bottom of Fenway Park, there's a bar. There's a, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it is a bleachers maybe, but bleacher bar, but it is a... um. It is a Bills backers bar inside Fenway Park, which is incredible to think about. A lot of Bills fans tuning into this game. Channel 7, WGR, of course. Matt, safe travels. And, of course, you and I will wrap things up after this game. And then we have 10 days before the next game, which is going to feel like an eternity based on what we've had the last several weeks, I guess. Yeah, I think I'm going to just sleep from Friday night whenever <laughs> I get home until Sunday morning. I just, I think I'm just going to skip over Saturday. I don't, I don't really care about any of the college football games. I'm just going to sleep. Thanks a lot for tuning in and downloading, subscribing. We hope you do every single week. We also want you to throw us a nice rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get. It's always game day in Buffalo. And always thank you to our producer, who is um, Lucas Buckley, who does a great job of getting us up and on time and uh, behind the scenes does a lot of hard work. So thanks a lot, Lucas. And thanks a lot to everybody for joining us this time. It's always game day in Buffalo. Bills, Patriots, Thursday night, right here on WGR on the Odyssey Network. And of course, on Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo.